Hello, space nerds. Welcome to Raktagino and Root Beer, a Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm Matthew. And I'm Michael. On this podcast, we are reviewing every Deep Space Nine episode from the pilot to the finale. It'll be so exciting, it's going to give you umox. Pull up a chair and join in the discussion over some Raktagino and Root Beer. If you would like to contact us, set hailing frequencies to rrds9podcast at gmail.com. Today on the show, we are going to review Season 3, Episodes 7 and 8, Civil Defense and Meridian. So, Michael, why don't you give us a plot synopsis of Civil Defense? Oh, Civil Defense. (laughs) Civil Defense? Okay. (laughs) Will do. We begin with uh, Miles O'Brien in a former ore processing plant within DS9, which is where he was actually held captive in the Mirror Universe for you trivia fans. And he's hanging out there with Jake, and they're going to try and change it into a deuterium processing uh, area. So Cisco comes in to check up on them, and they're kind of messing around with the uh, the computer system. When they accidentally trigger a security protocol that was uh, designed by Gold to Cat, and and uh, it's designed to uh, quell any uprising by uh, Bejorans working there. Um, so they can't turn it off, and uh, this begins to escalate through the entire station, and the episode essentially turns into a 70s disaster movie, like the Towering Inferno, where we have all these different parts of the station um, um, running into horrible trouble. Uh, we have Quark and Otto stuck in, uh, stuck in Otto's office. We have uh, Ops is sealed off from everyone else. Um, Garrick is the only one who, who has the security clearance to go from section to section. And uh, things keep, keep uh, getting worse and worse until a self-destruct sequence begins. And that is when Gal Dukat <laughs> transports into Ops, uh, drinking his... Is it tea he's drinking? Red think, leaf tea. Red leaf tea uh, amidst all this chaos and just sort of quietly mocks everyone until he himself gets locked out. Uh, by somebody superior to him who, in case he tried to uh, run away in, in, if there were uh, ever a Bajoran revolt and escape, um, a superior uh, put in an extra layer of security ensuring that he would be stuck on the station while it blew up. Uh, the way that the station self-destructs is, is a lot of kind of gobbledygook about it uh, melting down or something yeah. going on. So the way that they fix it is uh, we go back to Jake, Cisco, and O'Brien, where they realize that they can shoot this this uh, intense energy out towards the shields, kind of release tension, and uh, they save the day. The end. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So how did you feel about this episode? Uh, I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of those 70s disaster movies, like The Towering Inferno, and... And it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know that they're going to get out of it, but it's just yeah. the, these escalating stakes. Yeah. Um, uh, everybody's just trying to survive, and then you, you have all these kind of stock characters who, who try and uh, save the day in different ways. And, and, uh, and there's, there's it's, it's just sort of a fun, you know, fun episode. Yeah. And I love Galdicott in this. He's like, I got a, a signal from myself saying that uh, the Bajorans yeah. are taking over the Tarek Nor. And then, and then he shows up and it's, it's the, uh, the replicator has, cre- has created this, uh, 
like this phaser, phaser bot. Yeah, yeah, this phaser bot that's, that's disintegrating people. Yeah. And you actually see a guy get killed yeah. right in front of your eyes. And then he shows up and he's sipping his, like he, he kind of gets the replicator to uh, give them a brief uh, respite by, by, by making himself a cup of tea. And then the, the phaser bot, you know, re-initializes. Uh, and starts shooting at everyone while he's sipping his tea and calmly, you know, saying yeah. like, like you know what, maybe uh, the Cardassians could uh, could take over DS Nine again, and it's it's just like a great scene. Yeah, uh, and there's some fun scenes between him and Garrick. There's little uh, Easter eggs of like what their past was like. Yeah, you know, like uh, the father, the, the, the father, father yeah. yeah, and about how uh, Goldicott's father was a trial, mm. you know, and the fact that. Uh, Goldicott said that, or no, Garrick said that you tried to execute me at one point, you mm -hmm. know, so there's lots of fun uh, details of their backstory. There's also that moment where Garrick just says to Goldicott, stop trying to impress Kira, oh, she's not going to be turned on. <laughs> I love that scene, uh, And, yeah. and uh, Mark Alamo, uh, the Goldicott, right in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah, he just gets, he gets so upset and it's like, he, he acts it so well because it's like yeah. that moment where he's like realizing that he is showing too much of his mm -hmm. uh, affection for Kira. Yeah, that's such a great, such a great yeah. scene. Then in the middle of this, and again, we've just seen somebody get vaporized. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of it, he's flirting with her. Yeah. No, he's he's a complete jerk. He's a jerk. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I liked parts of it. I mm. like the part... I like the the sections that were kind of taking place in ops. Yeah. Uh, that was fun, where it was slowly escalating and getting worse and worse. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, I mean, Gal Dukat beaming aboard and just casually walking around while this <laughs> thing is vaporizing things. Although, yeah. we have to wonder... You know, it can vaporize humans, but then when it hits, like, computer banks, it just kind of, like, mm. psh, it's not doing much. No. So, you do have to wonder what's going on there, but anyway. I, um, I do like that Garrick quickly figured out that that it only, that it would not target Cardassians, uh, so that he could stand, and... Yeah. It was a very, it was a very nice, like you said before, it was nice to see Garrick and Gal Dukat in sort of a battle of wits. Yeah, yeah, and just revealing their past, and, yeah. and there's a lot of character there, and they're good actors, and so it's fun to watch them, like, kind of get... I, uh, I, I think what I really... One of the reasons I, I really enjoyed this was the uh, just seeing how the station would have would have worked under the Cardassians, and, and the pre-recorded Gal Dukat messages to them, saying, yeah. you know, please end this revolt, I really care about your safety, <laughs> please just let the Cardassians there uh, regain control and we won't kill you, you know, it's for your own yeah. good, and... Yeah, I mean, there was definitely, um, it, was, it was nice to see, like, yeah, elements of the past in this. Mm -hmm. Some of the actual things that happened, like, some of the ways in which they escaped the danger was a little silly, like... Oh, yeah. When they... Poor Jake had to go up into a tube and like crawl around a tube. Yeah. And then the the gas is released, but it's like it's the worst gas ever. It just like falls up to the it's bottom. Like, it's kind of like dry ice. It's just. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. I think it is dry ice. <laughs> I think we can say it is dry ice. It's just falling on the ground and it's not doing anything. Yeah. There's there's that scene where uh, Cisco like Jake manages to open up that that locked hatch and Cisco escapes and Miles O'Brien is standing there and the dry ice is basically up to his neck. Yeah. And he just kind of mildly coughs and that yeah. <laughs> that escapes. Yeah. So there was like. There were some elements where I was like, oh, this mm. is kind of 
uh, boring or not that exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and always, I, I, this is becoming a trope on DS9, is the day is safe when someone pulls out those little glass cylinders and yeah. then rearranges them in the correct formation. Did, did, That's how problems get solved on DS9. Was Cisco guessing? Because it just I know, like he was a, randomly putting I know, them... Sometimes he's just like, I don't yeah. know, I don't know. And, yeah. and I, I mean, it's good that... Once again, it's good to know that Cisco, despite being commander of the station, knows exactly how to reroute mm-hmm. the fusion reactor explosion so that it hits the deflector shields. Right. Like, I, I'm glad that he, as commander, seems to know as much as Miles O'Brien about fixing yeah. things. He really didn't need Miles O'Brien after all yeah. when he got shocked or whatever. <laughs> uh, so there was elements where I was like, mm, I'm not so crazy about this. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the the scenes in Ops, I felt, were the strongest and the most fun. There's, there's an amazing scene in Ops where... Uh, Kira, I, I can't even remember why, but she decides to, to blow up uh, a terminal, as, as they do, as they do, and she takes out her phaser, and she goes, she goes, get down, and then, yeah. like, there's two people there. <laughs> but, but if you watch that scene again, the two extras, they act the hell out of that scene. Yeah, yeah they're like, oh they're my like, god! Oh my god, and they jump out of the way, oh my god. I mean, she could have given them a little bit more time. Yeah, she could have said, let's, let's set up a scene where I'm going to like okay. um, you know okay guys move out of the way okay you're out of the way I'm gonna shoot it now mm. um, it was same with the door with uh, Bashir Bashir's at the door and he's trying to open it yeah. and she's like get out of the way and he like barely steps two steps <laughs> out of the way and then she like she blasts it I do like I do like Kira's overuse of the phaser. I appreciate that. She, yeah, her and Garrick have something in common there. They yeah. both like uh, firing phasers. Yeah, and I, I I appreciate that about her character that she's like computers. Who cares? Let's just shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean uh, that stuff was great. The the Odo and Quark. It was okay. It mm-hmm. was a little because it didn't. Nothing happened. They were just trapped there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Odo, or what was it, Quark is like, oh my gosh, there's no way to, to, you know, get out of here. And Odo's like, yeah, it means I'm stuck with you, not the other way around. (laughs) No, so there were some good lines there. I liked, uh, I liked the whole, I mean, I liked the little comedy routine of, uh, they think they're going to die. And so Odo Odo says to Quark, I think you're one of the most devious friends I've ever met. (laughs) Yeah. And Quark is like, thank you very much. And then, uh, and then the when they realize that all the force fields in the station have collapsed except mm-hmm. for the one around uh, the security office mm-hmm. yeah and quirk is realizing it's because they didn't trust odo because they thought he was a rogue agent right and uh quirk says um it's because you had too much integrity and they knew that you were going to do the right thing <laughs> whether or not it supported the Cardassians or not yeah. and now your integrity is going to get us both killed <laughs> that was a good line yeah and then and then <laughs> at the end when they escape or and just before they escape Quirk's tapping away at Odo's computer and he's like mm. what I'm described as a petty thief who's a minor nuisance. Yeah. And uh, Odo's like, well, I, was, I thought you we were going to die, and I just wanted to be kind, you know, yeah. to describe you as devious. Yeah. So there was, there was nice little moments there, but there was just I, nothing I, happened. But I, I think that's one of the reasons why the, this 
this genre of disaster films, I think, works. Um, it's because the the obstacles that they're facing are totally meaningless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and they just keep escalating and escalating, and it's totally arbitrary. But it puts these characters under enormous pressure where, where they suddenly reveal these deep, dark secrets, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, reveal character, yeah. yeah. And, and just seeing these characters under extreme stress is always is always entertaining. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was watching it, I was thinking of that episode of uh, The Next Generation called Disaster. Mm. You know, the one where they hit the quantum filament and they... Uh, um, Picard is trapped in the turbo lift with the three little kids. Oh yeah, and yeah. Troy's on the bridge with yeah. Ensign Rao and uh, someone else. I can't even remember who it is. Hmm. And uh, and they just have to deal with all the particular tra- situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, data ha- data walks into an electrical field, and it's fun. It's fun, and it's um that that episode of disaster is fun too because mm-hmm. you get that scene of. Uh, Troy, it's her first moment of really being in command and knowing that command is really about making decisions about people, whether they live or die. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's fun. It doesn't really say much at the end. Like, it's not really philosophical or anything like that. It's just an adventure story. Yeah. And. No, not, nothing in the end matters. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, and I feel like sometimes the. You need to have a simple trap for each for each group, mm-hmm. because if you make it too complicated, like the ending of this episode, you lose the thread of what I'm supposed to be hoping will happen. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know what Cisco was gonna do when he got to that that thing, so I'm like, is he doing it? I have no idea. I don't yeah. know. He's just pushing some buttons and juggling the little glass tubes and everything. I, I think that, I think that's a good point. And, and the reason why the Gal Ducat uh, element is so interesting is because of the irony involved where yeah. he's always this character who's in, in cool command of everything. You yeah. know, he's unflappable. And he himself has designed the security program. And he comes in and he's all calm, and then he realizes that he's beaten by his own security system. Yeah. Um, it's just, a, it's a very good um, trap to put him in. Yeah, in yeah. For him to escape, yeah. And it's just a simple trap, and it's an easily understood one. And yeah. So, and, and seeing how his character responds to that is, yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's it's super hilarious when that other... Yeah. When that other gull or whatever, the <laughs> yeah. legget appears on the screen, is like, I knew you were going to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew you'd try, try and escape. <laughs> you're, such yeah. a, you're such a snake. Yeah, and, and he, uh, he says, now try and die like a true Cardassian. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that that was like pure comedy. Like, yeah. like we're just like totally going for a, a humor moment there. Right. No, so... That's that's my only problem. I did enjoy it. I found I was I was mostly enjoying it. I just the ending the the scene with O'Brien, mm-hmm. uh, Cisco, and Jake at the end. I was like, Meh, just just end it. Yeah, I'm, I'm bored with this now. And once again, Miles O'Brien gets electrocuted or burnt or yeah. whatever. Yeah, poor Miles. <laughs> poor Miles O'Brien. <laughs> and I I did like that they they made it not Jake's fault. It was actually Miles's fault. Yeah. It was O'Brien's fault. Because yeah. he... Jake was like, I'm trying to delete this, and I can't. And then O'Brien came over and then fiddled with it, and then he set it off. Yeah. It's all O'Brien's which fault. They, which they never addressed for the rest of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just sort of, you know, tactfully ignored that. But. Yeah, and, poor, and O'Brien's uh, problem got a Bajoran vaporized. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> how like was it the only was it only one character who was killed? And that, that's the implication. Yeah. But thousands could have been. Wow. Anyway. So, uh, up, apart from that, I don't really have much else to say. I did like to that we got to know that Cardassian's like red leaf tea. This is a new thing. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard it before. But yes, I always like to find out what new beverages people are drinking on Deep And you Space like the red, the red leaf tea? I think we should start, after we finished our podcast, like the whole range, we should start mm. a, a drink place mm. that is a Deep Space Nine uh, inspired place and just serve some... I want a Sumerian sunrise. Exactly, right? I would love that. Matthew and I, by the way, were at a uh, tiki bar last night, and they and they did not offer a Sumerian sunrise. I was very disappointed. <laughs> should have been a Deep Space Nine tiki bar. <laughs> so, should we just move on then to episode eight, Meridian? Uh, so, Matthew, can you give a synopsis? Okay. So, in this episode, the Defiant is flying into the Gamma Quadrant because they're still exploring it for some reason. And they encounter... Without any science labs? <laughs> yeah, just just flying around in a battleship. And they encounter some gavimetric readings, which always means that some new wacky adventure is going to start. Mm-hmm. And when these gravimetric readings subside, this new planet appears in a system. Mm. And they're immediately contacted by the aliens on the planet, who say, Hello, we're uh, Meridians. This is our planet Meridian. And we'd like to invite you to our meal. So, uh, because they like randomly going to planets and just when people invite them, they go. And they find out that this planet is dimensionally shifting. And what happens is uh, at a certain point, a certain time period, it shifts into this dimension that is non-corporeal. Everyone on the planet just becomes pure consciousness. And then after a certain time in that other dimension, they come back to this dimension and reform as corporeal beings. But they have a problem, and that is the the time that they're spending in the corporeal realm is slowly getting shorter and shorter, mm-hmm. and eventually, if it gets too short, they will just disintegrate, apparently, turn into dust. So this is distressing to the crew, including Dax, who is starting to grow fond of a, a fetching young alien named Doral, mm-hmm. and uh, her and Doral start investigating uh, what they can do to fix this. They they basically solve it. It's something to do with the sun. The sun's doing some weird stuff, mojo. So they fix it. I don't know how they fix it. They just kind of do it. And they fixed it so that Meridian will dematerialize in a few days, but and it will come back in 60 years, but after that it will be a regular cycle of 60 years as ghost Meridian mm-hmm. and as regular Meridian. So everything seems fine and dandy, uh, but Dax slowly begins to realize that she's rapidly falling in love with Doral. Um, she spends a wonderful afternoon climbing a tree for literally 30 seconds. and she, then, She's scared of heights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, you know how, you know how to uh, romanticize a woman, turn her on, make her do something she hates. <laughs> you know, that's the way to do it. So uh, she rapidly falls in love with Doral, so much so that uh, Doral, who's unwilling to leave his planet because his planet has so few inhabitants, that he, that she decides to uh, stay with him and go through the whole weird cycle of dematerializing. So there's a tearful scene with her and Sisko. They both cry. Um, 
You can tell how I'm feeling about this when I'm describing it. They both cry. Then she beams down, gets ready to dematerialize, but oh no! It turns out that she can't. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, everyone starts to vanish around her. She slowly starts to, I guess, turn, like, float into the vacuum of space, I suppose. She starts mm-hmm. to kind of cough and choke, and mm-hmm. they save her, and that's done. She's mm-hmm. fine. She's a little sad, but she's, it's done. The B plot is our friend, uh, our friends, uh, Kira and Odo. Kira is being stalked by this man named Tyron. Um, who is a, who's got a fantastic outfit and, uh, great makeup. And really good rings. Really good rings. I, mm-hmm. I think his, his whole look is really good. Yeah. And, uh, he's totally in love with Kira. Kira does, like, a lot of, like, oh, I can't deal with you, oh, I'm gonna run off to ops kind of things. Yeah. And, uh, but he's obsessed, so he gets Quark to try to create a hollow sweet image of Kira. Uh, multiple hijinks ensue. Mm-hmm. Um... Kira eventually realizes, finds out about this plot, and uh, so she actually sets up a program for Quirk, which is a hollow sweet image of her body with <laughs> his head on it yeah. for Tyrion. Tyrion gets so angry that he's like, I, I'm going to make you pay for this. I will and, never I will never unsee that image yeah, in and, my mind. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then he, he runs off and... Quirk, I'm sorry, Kira and Odo have a good laugh at Quirk's expense. Right. Very, well, I think I know how you feel about this episode, but I'm still going to ask, what did you think? Oh, God. I am waiting for an episode that it may, um, I am waiting for an episode that features Dax prominently that I enjoy. The Klingon one was pretty good. Right. Yeah, that was good. The Klingon one was good. Yeah. Uh, This one was more, yeah, um, yeah, it was not very good. Uh, it was very boring. Why did she fall in love with him? Hmm. Uh, I mean, it was dumb. It was yeah. dumb. I mean, I was reading the notes and someone was saying it's a very, like, original series episode. Yeah. Where oftentimes in those episodes, the you would often be expected to believe that the characters were doing all sorts of crazy things. Like, mm. they would rapidly fall in love with someone or, mm-hmm. or, like, the emotions were so much more heightened on the original series. Yeah. Uh, and I just couldn't believe it. That scene where they're falling in love was was like there was like mediocre chemistry between the two of them. Like mm-hmm. I didn't feel like they were really deeply connected. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were two attractive people going for a walk together and right, having right. a kind of boring conversation. Matthew, you are such a cynic. <laughs> and I'm going to disagree with you on this one. You liked it? I did like this episode. Oh, really? I, I, uh, well, I'll start with the, uh, let me start with the, the, uh, Kira stuff. The opening of this episode was, I thought was really, really good, where, uh, she's just talking about coffee, how she orders it a bit too hot, because, you know, and it's all about taste, and she's talking to Odo, who has, uh, no taste buds. He can't, he can't enjoy, you know, presumably he, I'm not sure how he senses the world, but, uh, but they have this conversation, and then, um, the creepy stalker... Played by uh, an actor who Jeffrey I know. Jeffrey Coombs. Yeah, Jeffrey Coombs, who we'll get into later. Um, he, he reappears as various characters on Deep Space yes. Nine, and he was and, on Enterprise. And he was uh, Shran on, on Enterprise, playing an Andorian. Um, he does a great job. He, yeah, he's, he's, he's an amazing actor. He's so yeah. gross and creepy in this episode, yeah. you know, just the way you can tell he's so turned on yeah. by Kira. <laughs> yeah, so he comes in, and... Uh, and 
Kira does that thing where she, where, uh, she pretends that Odo is her lover, as she yeah. says, which is, I always find that really funny, but I know, uh, I know. my lover. I know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, who talks about that? No, and I know. And did you notice uh, on Meridian, they call, uh, you're my companion. My companion, yeah. It's like, it's like, the, the English language has not evolved to a place where people can refer to... Um, their partner, yeah. their partners, in a way that sounds not childish or like <laughs> overly ridiculous. Yeah. You know. So, so she says, "This is my lover, Odo," and uh, and basically, I, I'm already in a relationship, so give it, so give it up. And they hold hands. Yeah. And it's that lovely scene where um, they both leave, leaving Odo alone, and he just sort of looks at his hand for a while because. Yeah. Uh, as we've seen, he's he's felt uh, sort of a fondness for Kira. We don't know how deep it goes, but they're also talking about physical sensation, and you don't know. Yeah. You don't know like what exactly happened there uh, with with that touch. So it's. I, 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 I think thought we that, know. I think we know what happened there. He's been friend zoned. He's been friend zoned. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was a good scene. <laughs> no, I thought it was a great scene. And, I thought and, it was really and, nice. And and that whole that whole plot, I think. Uh, it, it's sort of like uh, it. It has that kind of hilarious rom com yeah. feel to it, where where uh, um, they kind of play tricks on each other, almost like a Renaissance play in a way. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Where where there's like at the at, at the end with that amazing scene where they go into the hollow suite and uh, and it's Kira's uh, body with Quark's head on it is just fantastic. That oh, yeah. is such a good scene. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it's also I, I was talking with uh, with my partner because uh, we just watched this episode today actually uh, the day that we're recording this and uh, they TNG never really got into the dirtier aspects of the hollow suite of, yeah, yeah. you know the hollow deck yeah. the hollow deck um, we were talking about that episode of TNG where you know Barkley had the huge crush on Deanna Troy. And uh, Deanna Troy's like, well, it's harmless, you know, like what he's doing in in, in the holodeck, you know, if, if he has a copy of me, it's, you know, it's everybody has fantasies. And and uh, and then she stumbles into the holodeck and Barkley's there with with Deanna Troy and she's she's barely wearing anything revealing. Like, you know, by our standards, it's nothing. And she's appalled. <laughs> she's like, I can't believe you've dressed me in these, you know, yeah. these tawdry clothes. And it's this very, it's like this very idealistic view of humanity when it comes to, yeah. to sex. I mean, if, yeah. if in this day and age, if we had a holodeck, I mean, it's, it's, it's online porn, you know? I mean, you'd yeah. have, you'd, you'd obviously have holodeck, uh, uh, addicts. And, and this was the first time I've seen in Star Trek where they actually acknowledge that people are up doing like dirty, dirty things in holodeck. Uh, programs. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the even the term hollow suite has changed from holodeck because mm. um, there's there's always been the implication that the hollow suite is a little bit more dirty than yeah. the holodeck uh. because it's Quark's running it and he's running it for people's tastes, mm -hmm. like uh, to to meet their particular tastes. Mm -hmm. And so this is one of the reasons why Kira's always disliked it because it's always been there's always kind of a grimy side to it. And so when Dax and everyone's like, oh, let's do it. And like, we don't have to do some weird sex Right, thing, they, you know? they're like, let's do zero-G adventure. Yeah, parasailing or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. Kira's always like grossed out by it because mm -hmm. it is. It's like this idea of like going into this space that is just about naked, disgusting sure. uh, emotions. 
And, um, not disgusting, but, you know, naked and, um... All right, wait, can I ask a question? A yeah. TNG question? What do you think Riker was doing on the holodeck? Oh, I'm sure there was all sorts of dirty things yeah, happening, yeah. that's what I thought. Like, no, and this, and, and we've talked about this before, that the next generation often is, it's aspirational, so it's often presenting people solving problems and dealing with life in a kind of idealized way. It's... Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not attempting to show people as they're at their worst selves. It's trying to show them at their best selves, mm -hmm. which can be good and kind of a, you know, TNG does make you feel this, like you feel expanded and you feel like humans are better and they're amazing and everything like that. But sometimes you feel like, oh, they're kind of out to lunch because mm -hmm. they're not really showing what life can be like. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Deep Space Nine, it's not going gritty. It's just trying to get a little bit closer to what There's a people... little bit more complexity and, yeah. and shades of gray. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so I, I liked the B plot. The B plot was good. Well, now I will attempt to defend the A plot. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> so I disagree. I think Dax was actually good in this episode. I thought the acting yeah. was fine. But I, I mean, revealing that sense of her character where she's been around for, what, seven, eight lifetimes and... and uh, and while her uh, Curzon Dax was always sort of having these flings with, with people, uh, Jadzia is far more selective, as we've seen with Dr. Bashir. Um, I mean, she's had a lot of suitors, you know? Yeah. Uh, but she hasn't really uh, attached herself to anyone, so yeah. th this is obviously a big deal for her. Um, I, yeah. I realize that that they only have a few days to fall in love. But, I mean, it's not... It didn't seem that unusual to me, you know? I have no problem with someone falling in love in a couple of days. Yeah. I have a problem with someone falling in love where the scenes where they're falling in love are the most unromantic... That's a nice park, or garden, by the way. Yeah. It's somewhere... Uh, like, it has to be in California somewhere. I think it's, but... like, Huntington Gardens or something wow. like that. Um, I, uh, I enjoy that the lawns appear to be perfectly mowed, uh, so I wonder who's mowing them when they're non-corporeal. Do they like, do they like, okay, guys, we're going to be dematerializing in a couple of days. Yeah. Let's make sure the lawns are... <laughs> they mowed. were very mowed. Yeah. Um, well, talking, I will say, like, talking about the date when they're, like, it was such a compressed period of time and they're trying to convey how they're falling in love. And he's like, he's like, all right, and we'll go for a walk. Uh, followed by, a, oh, what does he say? We'll go for a walk. And a brief stop to climb this tree. <laughs> it just sort of like came out of nowhere. Yeah, I think the thing is, I believe if two people are falling in love, it's um, it's more about the person, something is being activated in the person that's very deep and central. Mm -hmm. And while they're talking, I just can't see anything deep being activated in Dax at all, you mm -hmm. know? It just seems like I don't even really the Doral guy. I don't even know anything about him. Like what yeah. makes him tick or anything? He just seems to be a blank. He's he's pretty attractive. He's mm -hmm. he's dressed like he's ready for an intergalactic smooth jazz band. You know, he's got that nice uh, vest thing over the the long sleeve pajama top. He's got some game in the flirting though. You know, oh. he's like, are those spots decorative? And she goes, no, they're they're yeah. not. And he goes, uh, well, how, how far, far down did they go? And she goes, all the way. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> Some good flirting there. Yeah. No, I mean, that was fine. It was fine. I just felt... 
you know, I think I remember this episode deeply. Like I remember it so well, mm-hmm. and I think because I loved it when I was uh, a little kid, and I yeah. love because I love Dax so much. Mm-hmm. I I still have no idea. Like rewatching this, I'm like, what, Matthew? <laughs> Teenage Matthew, why did you like Dax? She's she's like a cipher because she's so blank. Maybe that's why you liked. Her. I think I liked her because she was she's hyper competent and she's. Um, mm. She was always very good at things. And, you know, when I was a little... Uh, when I was a teenager, I was very high-performing and, like, wanted to be mm-hmm. the best at everything. Mm-hmm. And I liked this idea of someone who was so calm and so able to do so many things. Uh, it's, it, it's interesting, because I think, I think a lot of people feel the same way about uh, Spock in the original series. That he's yeah. just sort of calm and logical, uh, and, and, and nothing phases him. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, my problem was, I think sometimes they try to introduce, like, flaws into Dax's character. Mm-hmm. And because she's been so confident and uh, perfect, when she does have uh, flaws, they seem so weird. Like, this whole flaw of her being afraid of heights. Mm-hmm. It seems so weird that, that over eight lifetimes she hadn't dealt with it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I guess. I feel like... It, this is, this it, is my it, feeling about Dax. Yeah. I just want to say that if they'd set up her character and they'd set up Trill that they were not perfect over eight lifetimes, but mm. that they were, that every time they got a new host, they were going through all sorts of random new things all over again. Mm-hmm. It would make it uh, her more complex. I feel like... It, 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 I, thought, I thought that was interesting where... Where she's she's scared of heights because of a pre in a previous lifetime something happened or or a previous host was scared of heights and she's that's become part of her own personality which is interesting to me but it, but it's also scary because you know seven or eight lifetimes that's accumulating a lot of a lot of terrible things yeah <laughs> terrible yeah fears yeah uh, food preferences who knows yeah maybe she can eat four things. <laughs> I found this episode boring. Oh, boo. Okay. You know what You know what it is, too? You know what this episode is based upon? What? Brigadoon. Oh. The, like, story of, like, a Scottish village that only appears every, yeah. once every hundred years or whatever. Yeah. It, it's funny because you said it, you said it, it, it kind of reminds you of a classic TNG episode. It, the more I think about it, it's very much an original series episode. No, that's what I meant, too. Oh, right, original yeah. Series. But I, I don't know. I, I like the romance. Maybe I'm more of a romantic guy than you are. <laughs> and, and I actually didn't mind Dax in this episode. I thought it was kind of sweet. And uh, the other plot was, I thought, fantastic. I liked, uh, going back to plot B, which clearly yeah. was my, my favorite more than the other one, I like the moment where, as part of the scheming, Quirk goes... Um, to Kira, you're our one millionth customer. And she's like, I don't want to be your one millionth customer. How about that guy in the Scottish Wanderers Path? And he's like, no, it's you. How can I, how can I scam my own contest? Yeah. And then, uh, and then she's, he's, he's so, he just keeps going at it that she's actually convinced. She's like, I want something. Yeah. And it's like this, like, this thing that she's always wanted to have happen. Yeah. I've so never sweet. won it. I've never won anything yeah. before. And it's so kind of sweet. And I like that. And then he gives her the things and she's like, yeah, oh, that was great. That's like a great day. <laughs> she's, uh, she's like, Ensign so-and-so has never been on the Hall Suite before. This is great for her. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no. No. Fooled again! <laughs> yeah, and, um, I mean, 
uh, yeah, it's just, I guess for me, Kira is so much, even when I'm not so um, excited by uh, the acting, I like characters, Kira's character so much more mm-hmm. uh, because I just get a, I have such a better handle on it. Mm. And she's, she does things. She gets excited and annoyed and happy and, and whatever. Yeah. Whereas Dax, when she's feeling emotions, I'm like, okay, sure. I, I never suspected that you would ever want to run away to a planet by yourself. Like maybe yeah. she should have a scene where she said, you know, um, Ben... I'm so, uh, I'm so, um, I don't know, suppressed all the time mm-hmm. that finally this like one moment, it's just like overwhelming me or whatever. Mm-hmm. If I had that kind of like some understanding of her character, I would have been like, sure. Okay. Yeah. But it was all, it, I guess, it, I mean, it's a lot to pack into a single episode. Which, yeah. Which that's is one the of the reasons why it, it feels rushed. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just happy that, I mean, it's that Star Trek trope where they, they always come across these seemingly utopian societies where everyone's happy and there's some deep, dark secret. And when this, when this episode, when Meridian began and they, the planet appears and then this woman's like, come over for dinner. I was like, don't trust her, Cisco. (laughs) She, we, the last woman that, that asked you that put you in a box. Remember it's, that? Yeah. It was not good. And it's like the uh, the Next Generation episode, mm. uh, what is it, Alderaan or whatever, the one the, where the planet appears from behind the the cloaking device, mm. and they steal all the children from the Enterprise. Right, right. Because they're like, it's like a parable about the ozone layer from the 90s. <laughs> like, they, they, they had all this UV radiation. And, right. Yeah. They couldn't figure out something that we figured out in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, not my favorite. Well, I'm glad we haven't disagreed on on an episode in a while. It's kind of yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's it. Unless you have anything further you'd like to point out. No, that's it for me. Okay. So we're going to sign off here. Thanks for listening again. We always appreciate our listeners. And if you have any questions or concerns, please email us at rrds9podcast at gmail.com. And have a great week. <laughs>